Welcome to the next podcast for Millinery Info. This episode is with Angela Menz from On Track On Trend. On Track On Trend began in 2013 as a collaboration between Angela Menz and Lisa Tan. They met through their shared interest of horse racing and fashions on the field. As the site developed, Angela has taken over the role of editor. As well as curating the content for On Track On Trend, Angela also has her own millinery label. This episode is possible thank you to the support of our podcast sponsors, the Millinery Association of Australia, Catherine Cherry Millinery, Hat Academy, The Essential Hat, Louise McDonald Milliner, and we would like to welcome Hat Atelier as a new sponsor. You can find a link to each of these businesses in our show notes, either on your podcast app or through our website. We would love to invite you to be a sponsor of this podcast series. You can register through our website. If you have any questions about being a sponsor, please send us a message. We would love to hear from you. We hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for joining me to chat hats today, Angela. Um, I would love to if we start off, if you could tell us a little bit about what On Track On Trend is. Well, first up, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be part of the podcast. Um, so on Track on Trend is just, it started as um, something to share, kind of racing and millinery and all the things that I was doing with other people. So I originally started with my friend Lisa Tan, who you've also spoken to in the past, yes, um, because we were going to so many race meetings between us and seeing lots of things. And I think she was probably in the same boat where every time we'd go somewhere, people would ask us, oh, you know, what was it like? What were people wearing? What was the fashions on the field like? And they'd, they'd ask us all these questions. So sort of started, um, I guess, as a more formal way of kind of sharing that. So yeah, that's how it sort of originally started. And then that was quite a few years ago now. So it's just slowly kind of morphed and changed and, and yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And so when you two first started it, what was the format of that? Were you, was it big on social media or was it more of a blog space? Um, we were blogging really regularly together. So originally it was Lisa and I, now it's just me and it's mostly socials. Um, but where it started originally, we were blogging and it was a lot broader, I think, because we weren't sure of exactly what direction we wanted to take. So we knew that horse racing and those sorts of things were obviously a really big interest for both of us. Um, but we, we did a little bit um, things sort of that accompanied it, but were a little bit broader. Um, whereas now um, it's mostly just socials. Um, so Instagram, Facebook, and it tends to be just sort of my perspective and my take on, on the races or things that I like. And yes, yeah, so I keep it probably a little bit tighter now these days. Yeah. And that's just, is it, just in response to the evolution over time of growth in social media? Um, I think just being going to that it just became myself and trying to juggle everything was getting a little bit hard. So I'd rather kind of, I guess, cut it back a little bit and do it properly. So, and I think people have moved away from blogs a lot as well. So, I mean, there's still those blogs that people are really engaged with, but unless you're prepared to put in mammoth amounts of effort. Um, you know, I think people just tend to go to social media a bit more now. So yeah, so that's where I've really concentrated my energies. And who do you find engages with your, your posts and your, who's your main audience? Well, I think the race, race going <laughs> women um, is definitely the biggest audience. Um, 
people into fashions on the field, people that like, um, not necessarily that want to enter fashions on the field. So it definitely um, is a little bit broader than that. But people that have that interest in, I guess, the social scene of racing. So that ten, that's sort of the main, the main audience. Yeah. And how did you become interested in the races and millinery yourself? So <laughs> my dad, um, so I grew up, um, I've got two brothers and my, my dad is super into horse racing. So I always think when I was a kid at home, um, my earliest memories of racing is dad watching it um, on the TV or listening to it on the radio. And my brothers and I would be fighting. And as soon as a race came on, you had to stop because the race was on. Once the race was over, you could go back to yelling at each other or, you know, doing, doing whatever. So it's kind of, I've just grown up around it. Um, my extended family own racehorses and have been quite involved in racing forever. So yeah, definitely just sort of just grew up with it. Um, and it wasn't until I was a bit older and started studying fashion. And my dad said, why don't you come along and, you know, have a look at the fashions on the field because going to the races with dad as a kid was more just about how to, how to place a bet and having a look at the horses and, you know, no interest in fashion whatsoever. Um, but when I started studying fashion, sort of dad, dad really encouraged me to have a look at the fashions on the field and um, yeah, just kind of, I just got really hooked into it. So um, even my final year of my fashion degree, I actually centered all of my work around um, racing. So and that's when I started learning how to make hats. And was the millinery part of the fashion course you did at the time or did you pick that up separately? Um, there was actually, um, one of my electives was um, a headwear elective. So that's really what started it. Um, another woman in my class made hats and, and mucked around with millinery a bit. So she helped really get me into it um, and introduced me to a few things and was quite generous, I think, with her knowledge and sharing things with me. So, yeah. And, and also, because I'm from Canberra, um, certainly at the time there wasn't really much opportunity to buy millinery or to certainly on a student budget. <laughs> um, it was quite difficult. So, you know, I think that was another side of it as well, just that I wanted to go to all of these things and with budget constraints and things, it's just like, okay, well, I'll have a crack at it myself. What was the first race day you went to where you went fully dressed up in hat and outfit? <laughs> <laughs> so the first one that I, I entered fashions on the field um, was at Queanbeyan, which is just outside of Canberra. And that was quite a, um, like it was a, it's a, a small sort of, um, a small club. Um, but my very first hat that I wore there, I'm so embarrassed to say it had staples <laughs> in it. <laughs> um, it was hidden by, by um, chul and feathers, but um, yeah, there was definitely staples in there. But I think the overall effect came together and I actually won Fashions on the Field that day. Wow. So, yeah, it was right from the start that I just thought, yeah, you know, I really like this. I can do this. And I think when you get such an encouraging thing at the start, like winning a Fashions on the Field, it's, it's a really good taste of, <laughs> of the things that you can do. Yeah. Um, so from there, did you keep entering Fashions on the Field and making your own outfits? How did that evolve for you? Yeah, so... Um, I was, I was just making outfits and making hats and just honing my skills as well because I was studying at the same time. So right through um, the time I was studying, as I was learning how to, to do different things, um, I was still creating a lot of things, but really just for myself at that time. Um, and 
yeah, I, don't, I just kept, I just kept going. I think it's so it's, it's easy when you get that pat on the back that says you're doing something well from the start. Um, and in the first few fashions on the field competitions that I entered, I, I won different things or I'd get a runner up and things like that. So I think really having that encouragement for the start from the start really helped kind of go, you know what, this is something that I can stick with for a bit and I just haven't stopped. <laughs> so um, did you launch your own millinery brand off of that kind of experience or when did your own um, brand come into the picture? So it was after I finished studying. So when I was studying, we all had to really kind of, I guess, put a label together. So we had to do all the branding and we had to do all of those things. So it was really good because I went to the um, CIT, so the Canberra Institute of Technology, which is like a, a TAFE. Um, so it was very, very hands-on. So we had to learn how to do everything. Um, so I think it was, it was sort of doing that course and then people asking me afterwards, you know, could you make me a hat or would you make me this um, was when I kind of just started really, really slowly um, and making a few bits and pieces here and there. Um, and then it wasn't still when I was in Canberra, um, a local shop um, that sold footwear actually asked if I would put together something that they could sell to complement their shoes. So that's kind of what, what forced me to go, okay, I can actually do something with this. Yeah. And at the moment, um, your brand still runs as well, as well as yeah, on track yeah. and trend. So, um, I mean, in the years since I've moved to Melbourne, um, and I have my own online presence. Um, but I think I will say with that, um, and I'd sold things through another online retailer, um, the Eternal Hedonist, um, which also helped to just push me along and do things because I think I'm always very slow to do things and I kind of need that little bit of a nudge so yeah so the eternal hedonist I got approached by um, that online store and then I guess took things a little bit more seriously um, but even with my own online store now I do find that it tends to be people coming and contacting me and saying can you make this or you know I want a hat for this can you help so I do make a small collection and I put it online but I think the things that I tend to sell often are um, when people come to me, if that sort of makes sense. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so they, uh, do you think it helps people though, see that you do have an online store and presence and that maybe, um, maybe not presenting your brand in a serious way, but that you are producing and it gives you a bit of credibility to support their interest in your pieces? Definitely. Um, absolutely. I think without um, a social media presence and without an online presence, you know, I, I couldn't do the things that I do. So yeah, it's absolutely helped. Um, and I also think, you know, where I was saying that where I'd make a small collection of things and then it gives people a good idea of the things that I can do. It gives people a good idea of my price points and things like that. So I think it gives also through that gives people the confidence to actually contact me and say, you know, I kind of like what you do, but, you know, I want a different colour or I want this... And I think, you know, when you have some things that people can see that they can actually have a good look at online, it gives them probably a bit more confidence to actually approach me and, um, and know that, you know, that maybe the things that I do are in their budget or it's their sort of styling and things as well. And how does your brand, so when you attend a race day, how do you approach that? Are you, are you going in the headspace of I'm going to promote my brand, I'm there for on track, on trend or combination of the both? I think in terms of my brand 
Angela Mims and my millinery um, and on track on trend and myself, um, it's, it's all me. So I can't go, you know what, I'm going to put my on track on trend hat on today and, and go to the races as that because it is me. Um, and I think that's probably also another thing that's helped is that I'm not trying to be someone else. I'm not trying to put on someone else's aesthetic that isn't mine. Um, it's, it's, it's just actually all me. <laughs> so yeah. I think people see that it that it's real, that I'm real, and that it's authentic. And um, how do people respond when you're there? Um, your foreign track country, and you're there as a press presence because you get yep. to share all their wonderful outfits. How do you find people respond to that? Do they actively come up to you and want to be included, or do you find you have to approach some people to, to have the imagery <laughs> included? How do you work that? I think I think social media, and I think some of the things that I do make me look a lot more outgoing than I actually am. So I always get told when people meet me and they, they speak to me a little bit more, um, they, they kind of are a bit surprised, I think, sometimes that I'm not as loud and as wild and whatever as they might have expected that I'm actually, I'm actually quite quiet and I'm actually quite shy and I just let my clothes be loud sometimes. Um, but that's not necessarily me. So, so yeah, so I think um, people can be a little bit cautious sometimes coming and speaking to me. Um, other people are really excited to meet me, which is so lovely because um, it's always lovely to meet people and to talk to people that have an appreciation of the things that you're doing. So, yeah. That's wonderful. And uh, Fashions on the Field is quite a unique, uh, not necessarily to Australia, but it is... Um, a community unto itself. I think it's really interesting to see. And how do you find that culture when people ask me what the fashion on the field is, um, or is it a how is it connected to the racing? And I think it's really lovely to see the effort the women go to to dress up and the men as well, and that's growing in popularity. So how how do you think that engagement with the fashions on the field and the racing interplays together? I suppose I've been actively paying very close attention to it for more than 15 years so I've kind of seen a lot of things come and go I've been, seen a lot of changes I've seen people um, that have been around for a long time other people that just dip their toes in and disappear and I guess one thing that I think is fairly consistent is the people that appreciate the racing as well as the fashion and the fashions on the field tend to be the ones that stick around for a long time um, because I think for them, being interested in the races and being interested in, you know, other parts of racing um, mean that if they don't win fashions on the field, they're still going to enjoy it. They're still going to have a good day. Whereas I think the people that purely look at the fashions on the field and don't really care about anything else, I think they tend to, you know, they'll come in, they might hang around for a little while, but ultimately maybe that longevity isn't quite there in the same way. Um, because they're the ones that haven't realised that it's not just fashions on the field. It's not just that one person that wins. It's actually a whole, it's a whole social experience. It's a whole outlet. It's, there's just so many things to it. So I think that's one thing that I would say that I've certainly noticed over the years kind of following along. <laughs> and in terms of your interest in the racing side of it, you created a, I'm going to call it an iconic <laughs> outfit to support the very successful horse Winks. And is it correct that it's ended up in a museum? Is that correct? Yeah. So, um, it, so this just started um, as a thing my dad 
is a bit, I'd say eccentric's probably the best word. He probably wouldn't like that. I think he, he's a bit eccentric in what he wears sometimes. And so he started dressing up um, in this jacket he made to celebrate Winx and her wins. And it just kind of came this, became this silly thing that I thought, well, that's fun. I'll join in. Um, I think often with my work and something that has drawn me to fashions on the field and to racing is I like to have a parameters over what I'm doing. So for me, it just became this kind of thing. Okay, well, Winx is racing, dress up for Winx, you know, and that was kind of my theme. So I think that's all, often how I approach things. So yeah, it just became this thing that my dad and I were doing. <laughs> and yeah, I don't, I don't know <laughs> what happened, but um, yeah, just kind of really, I think people, again, people just really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was fun. It was something fun to do with my dad. So just kept going and it actually morphed into a three different Winx outfits. So um, there's all bits and pieces um, which have ended up in the sports museum at the MCG. So yeah, they've kind of, they've held onto everything and it will slowly, I think, rotate through, yeah, through the different outfits. <laughs> it's very exciting to have you, what created, what started as just a lovely activity for you and your dad to do together is become a piece of history in that way. Oh, it's like, it's super exciting. And that's also, it's also not the first time I've dressed up for a horse. So a lot of people wouldn't know this. The first horse that I ever dressed up for was actually Takeover Target. Yes. So, and that's because I was seeing Takeover Target race in Sydney. Yes. Um, Takeover Target was actually from Queanbeyan. So it all kind of came back to Queanbeyan. And yeah, so I dressed up for, for Takeover Target, um, which was, again, just really fun. And I walked around with a riding crop that day, sort of hitting things <laughs> at the races. <laughs> um, and then um, with Black Caviar. So I went and dressed up for Black Caviar's last race in Sydney as well. Um, I wore peach and black, the black, well, the salmon, um, black caviar colours. Um, on a derby day so that was kind of a bit out of the norm but again it's just fun it's it's so fun to get behind a horse and get behind the crowd and just yeah so I think that's what, what happened with Winx that obviously kind of went to the next level. <laughs> and your dad is a uh, racing lover as you mentioned but he's also a uh, fashions on the field and <laughs> with his style how was that something you, you influenced in him into or he, he, he got up there himself or how did this come about? Because he's quite a legend in so, that circle, isn't he? <laughs> my dad is very amused that people tell him that I must have got all my fashion and all of that stuff from him. That's all a lie. It's not <laughs> true. Um, dad was actually driving me around to the races everywhere. And so he kind of, because he was going to the fashions on the field with me and going to the races with me, he thought, well, I better dress up since I was dressed up. And then he also got a taste of fashions on the field and that was it. So he kind of got sucked in as well. Um, and yeah, he just really enjoyed it. I know for him, one of the, the things that made him realize, actually, this is really fun was um, we went to the races at Rose Hill. And if you entered fashions on the field, you got a free photo to take home. So he just kind of did it so that he could have this photo. And then he ended up in the final and they presented all the finalists in, um, in the mounting yard, which dad thought was really cool. 
So I think after that, it was like, oh, this is actually really fun. And yeah, you can win stuff. So that's even better. Um, but yeah, I think dad just likes dressing up now. <laughs> so, you does so such yeah. a wonderful job of it as well. And some, like, I know it's not always coordinated between you, but I, I have <laughs> seen race days where you, you guys have worked together to form these outfits, which is... I have to incredible. say, it's happened way, way, way too many times. I don't really tell my dad what I'm wearing. He doesn't tell me what he's wearing. This and is an accident, you're saying? Yep, yep. We will get off. We will get off, like and meet each other at the races because I'm often flying um, from Melbourne to Sydney and, and literally meeting dad at the track. And then we're like, hold on, <laughs> we're suspiciously coordinated, but this was not planned. Well, he'll come to Melbourne and, um, and see me and, and we'll go to the races and he's packed all his outfits and it's, it does, it does weirdly look like we've coordinated a hell of a lot more than is actually true. <laughs> it's very, very rare. So funny. Um, so with, because you've had such a long experience with the um, fashions on the field through On Track, On Trend, what are some of the changes that you've seen happen um, in, in that competition? Um, I think certainly from some of the early years when I entered, the crowds and the numbers that used to enter used to be a lot higher. Um, they compared to some of the numbers that some of the competitions get now. Um, you know, I remember one day there was hundreds of people that entered um, and they really gave an incentive for people to enter. So everyone would get um, a goodie bag, which helped people decide to enter. Um, I think it was probably a little bit more low key in the sense of there's so many people now that like six months they're planning their outfits and they're doing all of these sorts of things where I think in the past um, it wasn't necessarily like that. Um, so, you know, I think that's been one change. I think that there's been numbers have dropped overall, but the quality has gotten higher um, as, as it's gone on. Um, and then the other major change is definitely digital competitions changing things. So rather than having the traditional catwalk and, and all of those sorts of things that a lot of them have moved to a photo competition instead so that you can just have your photo taken on the day and then it's, you know, you can come back for a final um, rather than having every single person go and enter. So I think certainly um, technology, socials, photography have changed how a lot of the competitions have been run. Yeah. And that's also plays into the, the culture of you get to enjoy the race day and the rest of the experience as well, instead of just spending the majority yeah. of your time maybe at the fashion in the field tent or wherever it might be. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I've, I've had days certainly where <laughs> I've been in fashions on the field, but I'm really itching to go and see the big race. So I think there had sometimes been that disconnect that, you know, I like to do both. <laughs> so I want to try and jam as much into my day as possible. So, you know, I think sometimes people are a little bit negative about the new photo competitions, but I certainly think there's a balance um, and there's certainly a place for both, both things to run. Very well put. <laughs> and what have been some of your favourite outfits that stand out in your mind over the time that you've been watching watching these competitions from track on trend i mean for me i like people i like fashion in general that um where you can tell that the person is is very much themselves i think when people try that paint by numbers kind of style and they go i've got to have a hat tick i've got to have gloves tick i've got to have covered shoes tick i don't find that personally so exciting 
I think it's more exciting when people are a little bit riskier, they're a little bit more creative, um, whether that's being more avant-garde, whether that's being more playful with their fashion or colourful or whatever it is. Um, I think personal style and, and personal creativity is something that I personally value <laughs> very highly. Um, and I think watching so many competitions, you can tell quite often when someone has bought a complete look and just put it on versus when someone has really tailored it to their, to their own self and to their own personality and to the things that they like. So yeah, that's, that's what I like to see. Um, and then for me personally, I mean, obviously the Winx outfits <laughs> are right up there. Um, not fashions on the field though. Um, but I've probably got two standout, a couple of standout things for different reasons. Um, I entered the design award at Flemington in the past and one year I kind of, I call it my sporty spice outfit um, where I kind of look like a cheerleader and I had these high heel Adidas sneaker trainer heel things. And I guess everyone had gone for that very elegant traditional racewear kind of thing. Whereas I was like, you know what, this is Melbourne cup. I really want to just go all out and, and have a, like a really fun kind of party sort of outfit. So that's personally is one of my favorite outfits. Um, and as I was actually tidying up the other day, I, I found it again and just thought like, I want to wear it now because <laughs> it just makes me feel really happy um, when I see it and when I wear it. Um, and the other one was um, again, in the design award, I decided to wear a purple wig and take selfies on the stage. And so, you know, maybe it wasn't so much the outfit itself, but it was the whole experience of the day that, kind of when I again when I see the outfit it's just like happy memories so, yeah a lot of fun outfits and um you you share your outfits on your um Instagram as well as posting on track on trend shares on um, yep. the people you see um so for people who want to have a look they should definitely go and have a look at your outfits because they're definitely um like you said they're they've got your personal style to them so I think it's really interesting to have a look at what you make and you make all your own millinery as well most of the time yeah, so always make my own my own millinery, um, pretty much my own everything. So except for my bags and my shoes. So everything else is, yeah, is all me. Um, how do you decide what race days that you go to? I like to jam in as many race days as I possibly can. So, <laughs> and also if I'm traveling anywhere, um, which we probably won't be doing for a long time, um, but I always try and line things up to a race day so if I know that I want to go into state or something I'll check my racing calendar <laughs> and see what I can kind of line it up to I have to move it out a week so be it so that I can squash a race day in there and how many race days do you reckon you go to in a year you got to count um I've been a bit I think some of my bigger years have been like 30 race days um and when I say 30 race days like they're the generally the bigger race days that I go to, although I do go to some of the just the bit more low key, no fashions on the field, a bit quieter race days as well. But yeah, I think um, the years I've gone to like Royal Ascot and things like that, you start kind of adding in all those days of racing where it's all packed into a short time frame, um, and it adds up really quick. <laughs> and what's been one of your favorite things about putting together on track on trend? I think it's always, it's forced me to keep paying attention in that 
even if I'm not going to the races, I'm always kind of thinking, oh, that might be cool to, to post or, you know, I'll see something interesting and, and I'll save it or I'll, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's always given me a bit of a focus for something. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Thank you very much. And yeah, I can't wait to, to listen to the final product. Thank you for listening to this episode of Millinery Info with Angela. We'd like to thank our Patreon podcast sponsors for making this episode possible. The Millinery Association of Australia, Catherine Cherry Millinery, Hat Academy, The Essential Hat, Louise McDonald Milliner, and Hat Atelier. You can find a link to each of their businesses in our show notes through your podcast app or on our website. Would you like to become a sponsor of this series? We'd love to welcome you into our support team. Podcast sponsorship is from $15 per month and is run through a platform called Patreon. As part of your sponsorship, you'll receive a thank you in the monthly podcast, link to your business on our website, and in the Millinery Info newsletter. We have a wonderful collection of previous podcast episodes that you can enjoy. You can find them on our website or through your favourite podcast app. Remember to subscribe so you can find out when the latest episode is released. We hope you've enjoyed this episode with Angela and we look forward to bringing you another episode soon.